Two or three years after 9-11 took place, Clay and I were in New York City, and we had lunch at a recommended restaurant that claimed to have the best hamburger in New York. Uh, it was called Chumley's, some of you may have heard of it, in Greenwich Village, not far from Washington Square Park. It was a place that had a great history where such well-known literary figures as F. Scott Fitzgerald, John Steinbeck, William Falker, E. E. Cummings used to hang out at Chumley's. We had trouble finding it at first because the entrance was just a plain door in a long brick wall like along the side of a warehouse. Discovered later that the place was once a speakeasy uh, during certain times in our history. But when we got in, when through that door, the atmosphere was warm and welcoming, a lot of tables, a lot of booths. It was very casual. In fact, there was a big yellow dog just taking up one of the booths, uh, relaxing and having a good time. Now, I haven't tasted all the hamburgers in New York City, but this one was pretty good. And we were enjoying our lunch when all of a sudden, about one o'clock, the sound system just tuned up real loud and began blaring out patriotic music and spiritual songs. It was so loud we couldn't even hear each other shouting at one another. And it lasted for about 10 minutes. Needless to say, we were startled. And when we asked the owner of Chumley's, what was that all about? He took us into a back room where around the walls there were pictures of 14 New York firemen. And they were all from the neighborhood fire station. And he said all of these guys died trying to save others during 9-11. And every day we will take 10 minutes to remember them with that patriotic and spiritual music. Needless to say, we were impressed. Now, I've told you before, more than once, I'm sure, that without any hesitation or apology, I am a loyal, red-blooded, flag-waving, patriotic American. I get a lump in my throat. I get chills up and down my spine when I hear music like Jim Batson just sang and, and some more of the hymns that we will sing through this service. I love the 4th of July. I have enjoyed fireworks ever since I was a little child, even long before I even knew why they shot off fireworks on the 4th of July. No one is a more patriotic American than I am. And the more I experience the rest of the world and what life is like in other countries, whether it's good or bad or whatever, the more I appreciate the freedoms and the privileges that you and I have in this great country. But it's my love of America that would make me critical of things that are not what they ought to be, not what America stands for. And I want to do what is needed to make things better for all people. And it's part of our cherished freedom in this country that we are allowed to do that without being arrested or sent to jail. We Americans love freedom. And the Bible tells us that it's our God-given right to be free. 
Everyone in the world wants freedom. And it's their God-given right as well to be free. I can remember back in 1983, which I'm sure may have been before some of you were born, but I was attending the Global Assembly of the World Council of Churches in Vancouver, Canada. And I met a man from Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is that little island off the uh, tip of India that used to be called Ceylon. If we had the map and the kids, they could show you where it is, I'm sure. But back then, there was a genocidal war going on in Sri Lanka between two religious groups known as the Sinhalese and the Tamils. The people were butchering each other as one group would raid another's village. And one day, the news reported that there was a, a vicious massacre uh, in this particular man's home village, this man that I met from Sri Lanka. And he told me he hadn't been able to get through with communications. He didn't know if his family had been killed or if they were still alive. And I remember saying to him, wouldn't it be better if Sri Lanka was still under British control and then you wouldn't have to worry about such a massacre? I'll never forget his answer. He said, the privilege of freedom is worth whatever price you have to pay. And I guess uh, we Americans feel that same way, at least in 1776 we did, when we were willing to uh, fight for our freedom from Great Britain, and many Americans died in that war. We go to many places, the United States goes to many places in the world today because we want to help other people enjoy that freedom too, like we enjoy. One of my favorite movies of all times was the movie Braveheart, in which Mel Gibson plays the role of William Wallace, a national Scottish hero who led the struggle for freedom against King Edward I of England back in the 13th century. And if you've seen that movie, you're probably like me, you'll never forget the last scene of the movie where William Wallace is on the rack, which is a torture device intended to pull a person apart. And as he is being killed, he yells out so that everyone can hear him, especially King Edward I. He goes, freedom! And it echoes all through that castle. So everybody everywhere longs for freedom. This coming Wednesday, the 4th of July, we will celebrate our American freedom. But the question I raise this morning that I ask all of you is the question, are we really free? Are you really free? I think many of us, young, old, black, white, rich, poor, male, female, are not free in this land of freedom. Abraham Lincoln said in his Emancipation Proclamation, how can we be a great nation, half slave, half free? I question honestly today if even half of all Americans are truly free. I can't help but wonder if America itself is free with all the financial and emotional and personal costs of so many lives that are being lost uh, with the crime and the war on crime and the war on drugs 
not to mention other countries where we send our military, with the economy still shaking today, with so many questions about where is it really heading, with major industries closing their doors or leaving the country. Thomas Friedman wrote not too long ago, as a nation, we have a mounting education deficit, energy deficit, budget deficit, healthcare deficit, ambition deficit, not to mention the uh, coming social security crisis they keep talking about. So we celebrate freedom, but are we really free? Are you really free if daily you worry about money and how to pay your bills or what the stock market is doing or whether you're gonna keep your job or whether you can afford your car or a vacation, not to mention how you will ever pay off the tremendous debt that some of us managed to accumulate. Maybe the most honest name for those easy to get credit cards might be they're the anti-freedom cards because they really do enslave you. Are you really free if you are enslaved to constant financial worries? Are you really free if you're always trying to keep up with others materially? Your neighbors get a new car and all of a sudden your car is kind of looking old. Your best friends put in a swimming pool and they say, why don't you put one in too? The group that you socialize with decides to take a trip to the Bahamas. You know you can't afford it, especially with kids to educate, but your friends say, oh, you've just got to go with us. Cabins at the lake, condos in Florida, boats, wave runners, that new dress or coat that you've always wanted but don't really need. You know the list, it never ends. It goes on and on. How can you be really free if the keep up with the Joneses mentality and easy credit keeps you enslaved to growing debt? I like the way one person put it once. He said, you know, we, we buy things we don't even want with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And it keeps us from being free. Are you really free if you live in fear? Fear of terrorism, fear of having some major illness, fear of losing your job, fear about can I afford retirement? Freedom is not just throwing off the chains of political oppression, but it's being able to enjoy at least a basic quality of life that God wants for everybody. And that basic quality of life includes proper housing, sufficient food, health care, the right to work and have a living wage, and the right to a decent education, and the right to participate in your own government decisions. It also includes freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom from religion as well, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Franklin D. Roosevelt stated the four fears uh, back in his speech before Congress in 1941. True freedom, true freedom also includes freedom for equality, never having to fear that I'm not as good as another person because of race or color or economic situation or physical shape or whatever. No one is truly free who is trapped in loneliness, depression, addiction, overcommitment, 
or having to work yourself to death to make a decent living or having to impress others and you can't be yourself or as I said, being in debt that you cannot pay off. So real freedom has something to do with a quality of life, not just political freedom. Uh, e economic political freedom are important, certainly, but they're not really enough. We need spiritual freedom. Then and only then are you truly free, no matter what your political or economic situation might be. And let me point out clearly, there is a huge difference between spiritual freedom and being enslaved to religion, especially legalistic religion with all of its rules and regulations and creeds and doctrines. You are not free if your religion is more of a burden than it is a joy. Jesus condemned that in the Pharisaic religion of his time. You are not free if you're enslaved to bigotry, prejudice, racism, or hatred toward other religions or any other groups of people. That's what's causing so much hostility and strife and keeping people from being free in so many places in our world today. And to be honest, to a certain degree, it's also true right here in our own country. Until our world can overcome such cultural, racial, religious, and class bigotry and hatred, nobody anywhere is going to be truly free. As Christians, you and I are called to live and to work for such freedom, not just for ourselves, but for everybody else as well. It's clear that Jesus Christ came to this world to set people free, as we heard in the scripture lesson this morning. When he began his ministry, he read from the prophet Isaiah, saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, to set free those who are oppressed. And then he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So here's the bottom line. The only real freedom is found in Jesus Christ in a truly trusting relationship with God that will set you free from any and all worries and fears. I think we know this in our heads and in our hearts, but I'm not so sure we live it in our lives. The Bible says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Through Christ you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Freedom in Christ, which means truly, totally trusting in Christ, means freedom from fear, fear of terrorism, fear of crime, fear of illness, fear of loneliness, fear that your money might run out. Truly trusting God means freedom from worry, about the ghosts of yesterday or the threats of tomorrow. Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the air. If God takes care of them, just think how much more he will take care of you. Are you not of more value than those? I sing because I'm happy. 
I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Real freedom in Christ means freedom from want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything. If we were more focused on spiritual freedom, we wouldn't be enslaved to so many materialistic wants. In the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, we read, better off are those who are content with what they have than always wanting more. No one who is enslaved to always wanting more will ever be free. If the sun makes you free, then and only then will you be free indeed. To be free in Christ means free to be, to live, to love. It means to be all that you can be, what, not what others want you to be, but what you are created to be, what God made you to be, based upon your natural gifts and talents. To be free in Christ means to live life to the fullest. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. And yet, so many people in this world just exist. They don't really live. It means to be excited every day, to be full of enthusiasm. And, and the word enthusiasm, if you break it down to its parts, comes from on and theos, which means in God or God in you, God's spirit in you, filling you full of life. It means to wake up every day and say, good morning, Lord. Not good Lord morning. It means to rise and shine, not rise and whine. To say with the psalmist, this is the day which the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. To be free in Christ means to be free to see what is good and true and beautiful in life. What is right in everything and every person, not what is wrong. It means free to dance your own dance, not somebody else's. Free to be who you want to be, not who somebody else wants you to be. As somebody once said, it means to love as though you've never been hurt, to work as though you don't need the money, and to dance as if nobody is watching. To be free in Christ means free to truly trust God rather than depending upon yourself. It means trusting that if God wants it to happen, it will happen, not we can't afford that, we can't afford it. It means free to go where God wants you to go, to do what God wants you to do, not what well, we've never done that before. Many churches need to discover what it means to be free in Christ. And finally, I would say being truly free in Christ means being free to love, not to be enslaved to bigotry or hatred or racism, not to fear others who are different from the way you are, but to truly learn how to love everybody. Being free in Christ means to love and to love wastefully, like the woman who used the expensive bottle of perfume to wash Jesus' feet. Would you say that you're free to love wastefully? Have you ever given a homeless person a $20 bill just for the heck of it? Or a $50 bill? 
Yes, freedom in Christ means that you can be all that you are created to be, that God wants you to be, that life will allow you to be. How free are you? God created us to be free. Jesus came to set us free. May we never lose that God-given freedom. And may we know and experience what it means to be truly free. If the Son makes you free, then you will be free indeed. And one footnote I would add as we celebrate the 4th of July this week, if America truly lives out that God-given freedom, we will realize that it's not size but quality that counts. It's not wealth but what we do with our wealth. Not selfishness but inclusiveness. Not supranationalism but global citizenship. And not the soft life but a willingness to struggle and sacrifice for what is right not only for ourselves, but for everybody else as well. That's the kind of freedom that I plan to celebrate next Wednesday, and I hope that you will too.